0: What would you say to someone that is kind of having that identity crisis? What would be your advice or just something that you would say to encourage them in this time?
1: You got to read my book. Now just- <laughs>
0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to The Dude. I love that podcast. I'm Liv, and today we are coming back from our winter break with a very special guest who has personally impacted my life so much over the last few years, Mr. Ryan Reese. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a privilege.
0: Oh my gosh. We are so lucky to have you here today, and I cannot wait to see how this episode impacts everyone listening because... You, my man, are so wise and have such a cool story to tell. So first off, for those who don't know you, can you just give a brief overview of your testimony for us?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, I just grew up into this lifestyle out here. I was uh, surrounded by the, the music industry from a young age because my brothers were all in bands playing in Hollywood. And, and uh, my, you know, my, one of my brothers, she was actually dating the lead singer from No Doubt for a while, Gwen Stefani. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I had a wild uh, upbringing um, going out to clubs and stuff and then also growing up skateboarding and surfing and, and all that, that whole subculture. So um, I just grew up, uh, you know, punk rock in a sense of just uh, anti the establishment, but very, uh, and very immersed in the uh, art and music uh, culture, skate culture. And then uh, when I got into high school, I got kicked out um, I was never really good at school. But uh, when I got kicked out, I ended up uh, landing myself in the uh, the rave scene, which is kind of is is fairly new. Uh, it was like in nineteen ninety three is when all the electronic music was was hitting uh, L A. And um, I just got into that whole scene, saw the art and the whole. It was underground and it was punk rock because it wasn't mainstream. So I, I like everything that's not mainstream, and uh, started seeing the artwork, and I got. Um, I decided I wanted to start uh, designing flyers. and and So I started working for a record company after I learned how to design. Uh, Then I started producing my own events. I was doing uh, punk rock shows. I was doing hip-hop shows. I was doing electronic shows, just uh, throwing parties. And from there, that led me to getting a job for Circa Footwear. Started managing uh, the, the number one skateboard team in the world. Started traveling the world, doing music. Now my music, my my concerts went to music festivals to like twenty thousand person music festivals and i was just living uh, my dream man i was just touring the world uh working with the biggest rock and hip-hop bands on the planet um and just living the dream but what happened is during that time is i walked away from god at a very young age and when i say i was living my dream i was fulfilling my body appetites You know, uh, the Bible talks about the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. These are not from the Father. And these are the shiny objects that Satan likes to throw in our face to make us think that we're going to be happy. It's almost like, you know, cotton candy. It's like you look at cotton candy, and I I like the pink one personally. Um, And, you know, when you see it, you're like, that looks great. And you take a big bite out of it and you put in your mouth. But what happens is when you fill your mouth with cotton candy, literally if you fill your whole mouth with as much cotton candy as you can, When you bite down on it, it literally dissolves into little pebbles. And what you thought was going to be fulfilling this big bite actually made your mouth ended up empty, basically. And that's the same illustration of what the enemy Satan was doing in my life. He was giving me all the things of the world I wanted. Money, success, traveling, girls. Obviously, along with all that came drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. But I was like empty. I just kept taking these bites of this stuff and Empty, empty, empty to where I ended up finding myself in a hotel room. Uh, I overdosed of uh, 90 days of Xanax alcohol and cocaine and uh, came out of it uh, by God's grace. My the, the skateboard team found me. They called my parents. They said, we don't think Ryan's going to make it out alive. And uh, my parents prayed. I came out of it. And from that point, that's when I decided that there had to be more to life than this. And I was about 30 years old or no, I was 33 years old at that time or 32. And I've fulfilled all my dreams. I have had several motorcycles, cars, houses, you know, the whole, lived in Orange County you know, I've had everything I've ever wanted to have in my life. Traveled the world, literally did laps around the earth several times. And uh, I just said, God, are you real? And do you even exist? Because I see my parents, they're Christians. You know, I see Christian people around me. I see other religious people around me, but I don't want dead religion. But if you're real, I'll literally give you my life because I'm seriously empty. The cotton candy has done nothing for me, and uh, which is just the sin in my life. And what happened is I called out to God. I asked for forgiveness. I believed that he died on the cross and he raised from the dead. And as he sacrificed his life on the cross, that the blood that was shed on the cross would wash us white as snow. And then he would fill us with the Holy Spirit. And I believed by faith. Believing in faith is something you believe in, what you can't see. So I believed by faith. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. Well, I thought rainbows, lightning bolts, and angels, and Jesus was going to show up in my hotel room and be like, (laughs) my son, Ryan, I've been waiting for you, you dirty sinner. But but what happened, uh, that's not what happened. Um, What happened is actually nothing. (laughs) I didn't feel any different. And I remember there was these Bibles in these hotel rooms. They're called Gideon Bibles. So I uh, opened the drawer and I'm in Panama City, right? This is a Spanish speaking country in Central America. I open up the drawer and there's a blue Bible in there and it says, Holy Bible. It's in English. So uh, I open it up and it's in old English. And, uh, you know, I start reading it and it's the King James Version. And I have a horrible reading level. I was never good at school and all the special ed classes and ADD and all that. So I get the Bible. I leave the Sheraton Hotel the next morning to catch a plane from LA, Panama City to LAX. And I steal the Bible from the hotel. I get on a plane. (laughs) I read it. You can't make this stuff up. I know. know Yeah, the great
0: way to start out the journey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I steal the Bible. I get on the plane. I read it for six hours straight and I landed in Los Angeles and I felt peace for the first time in my life. And that's because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He forgave me of all my sins by faith. Then with the blood that was shed on the cross, he washed me white as snow. And then he implanted his Holy Spirit in me. I read the Bible, which is the DNA of Jesus Christ. and Jesus Christ is the DNA of holiness. And as his spirit started to manifest and work in my life supernaturally in the natural realm, that means I live in the natural realm but God's working supernaturally in and around me and through me because his spirit is inside of me, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And basically I landed and I felt peace. And that was the moment when I knew that God was real. I went home, I went to bed, woke up the next morning. I heard the song singing through my head. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in him. And it kept repeating over and over. And that was it. I just knew God was real. I went to the a local bookstore. I got a Bible. Uh, I said, I suck at reading. What's the best translation? They said, you need a new living translation. And I've been on that new living translation ever since.
0: Oh my gosh. What I love about that story is the fact that it's not some really overdone, uh, supernatural experience. It's just raw and real. And I think a lot of people don't, they do expect that kind of uh, elaborate thing, right? When you give your life to the Lord and it's like, no, it's a relationship. Just like, you know, it's you and a friend, but it's a friend that literally has given up its life for you and loves you to death, quite literally. So I just think that's so cool that it's like, it was bing, bang, boom, done. Like you were like, hey, I have just take it all take it because if you are real and I think that's the key if you're real take it and you know faith as small as a mustard seed is what that was and I just absolutely love that and then
1: you know what I think I want to I want to piggyback off what you just said so but I think the what the main thing for and I think that you would agree with this because it's it's biblical I mean we have to literally be at the end of ourselves in the fact of like just saying like okay, God, like I'm yours. And that's it. Because if we're being, you know, for, if we're, for if we're like J- the man and James we're double-minded, like we have a mind on like, okay, well I want you God, but I still want this life. But if you're not all in and you're not a hundred percent, then you're basically just being a poser and God doesn't, he's not down with posers and fakes. So if you commit all to, if you commit all to him, he's going to come into your life and he's going to develop that relationship, but that's the only way it works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I really enjoy talking about this because I think it's a very real presentation of what it's like. And it's, this is, you know, and I kind of see this just from what I know of your ministry. It's like the Bible coming to life, but in a new way, not that we can't keep the same principles of the Bible because that is always the same, but it's how is it working in the 21st century here in 2020, which is, you know, new decade and I can't, Wait to see what the Lord does, especially um, just as we're entering this brand new year. But um, I want you to share with everybody about what the whosoevers is, because I so am like on board with you guys about how much this is impacting people. But for those who don't know what it is, can you explain what that is and what you guys do?
1: Yeah. So uh, after I gave my life to God shortly after that, about six months later or something, four, four months later, I ended up in Israel. Uh, with my friend from the band, uh, P.O.D., he's the lead singer, Sonny Sandoval, and uh, he was telling me, hey man, I had this idea of, uh, he's like, I have this name, it's called the Whosoevers, he's like, I was going to use it for a reggae band, but I see it more like a worldwide movement, I'm like, Whosoevers, he's like, you know, like John three sixteen, like, Whosoever believeth will not perish, but have everlasting life, he's like, I travel around the world, and I'm in front of millions of people around the world, and there's all these different kinds of Christianity, because, The people in Africa worship different. Then you go to the underground churches in China, they worship different. I mean, they're like underground hiding from everyone and worshiping, you know? And then you got like, you got all these different, you know, movements of Christianity. And he says, you know, forget all the differences. Why can't we all just come together under one umbrella in John three sixteen, 16, whosoever believeth, and let's not major on the minors, as long as it's all biblical, you know, Genesis, the revelations, don't change the word of God. It's all there. That's our foundation. If we believe in the sun. We can reach the world in a worldwide movement. And I was like, dude, that sounds sick. I'm in, you know, I can help you put that together, marketing it and, and you know, help you out there. And basically what happened is I was in the Garden of Gethsemane on that trip at the end of the trip. And you know what happened there, you know, not my will, your will be done, Jesus said. And I was in the garden, I said, Jesus, if you want me to tell my testimony, then have someone call me that's not in my inner circle proving that you want me to tell my story because I don't want to do it just to do it because my story's sketchy. And, you know, frankly, I don't, I'm not trying to get be in ministry and, and go be a pastor or, you know, go do this stuff. So, But if you have a call for me, I'll go do it. And what happened was after I prayed that prayer, I was all in. And the next day I got a phone call from a pastor in Las Vegas that he knew, like I met him once a long time ago. And he basically called me up and said, Hey, I want you to come tell your story at my church. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. Like Jesus, I was just joking. <laughs> I didn't know you like, I, see, and that's the relationship. Like I talk to God, he talks back. You know what I'm saying? I love that. So, yeah. So I'm like, and I'm, I'm new in all this and I'm like, what the heck? This is insane. Like this really happens. Like God answers prayers. And that was fast. So long story short, I told Sonny when I was there in, in, uh, in uh, Israel, and we he goes, Ryan, I'll roll out with you. And we ended up going out to Vegas uh, together. And when I was on my way out there, what I didn't tell you is when I got my Bible, I ended up, uh, I was going to pay for my Bible at the bookstore. And I saw this dude on the front of this book called Save Me From Myself. He's all covered in tattoos, long hair. He looked all like a sketch bag, and pretty much like my friend, like me and my friends. And uh, I'm like, "Who's this dude?" And they're like, "That's the guitar player from Corn." I'm like, "Okay, well, what's he doing in the bookstore?" Like, right, what's bookstore. And because I know Corn, you know, and he's like, yeah, he's a Christian. I'm like, no way. I'm like, dude, that is sick. Because, see, I felt like a black sheep in the church, you know? Yeah. And now I'm like, I almost thought like, oh, my gosh, there's one more of us, you know? Yeah, 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 one of us, you know? And it, that's kind of my, my first thought. So I, I got the Bible. Or I mean, I got the Bible and the book, read it. And now, three days after I read his book, because I read it fast, I felt this impression. It was an impression from the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it at the time. But I felt this impression in my heart that I was going to work with him. And... I was like, whatever. Well, anyway, fast forwarding, like a year later, now we're about to go out to Las Vegas. And I tell Sonny, hey, dude, you know Head, right? And he's like, yeah. I go, well, call him to come tell him to fly into Vegas. I want to meet him so we can hang out. When I go speak, we can just chill out in Vegas. And so he ended up calling Head, Head flew out. And then I called the lead singer from Flyleaf, Lacey, because I knew her already, and she flew out. And basically what happened is the next day, when I went to go tell my story, We all ended up going and telling our story together. And that was the birth of the whosoever's movement before we designed anything or even had any name put together. The thought was there, but we didn't know God was actually birthing the whosoever's movement when we all went to go speak together. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's yeah. crazy.
0: I love how he works. He's he's kind of like cheeky, you know. Like he's he kind of yeah. does stuff, and you are like, oh, haha, you, you know. And he yeah. just like puts uh-huh. it together, and you are like, oh my gosh, I seeing it now. It's you kind of laugh. You are like, oh my gosh, I see how you were doing this, and it's just so funny looking back at it now to see how every little thing connects. So Dude, think
1: about this. Think about this. Okay, and I, I like to share these stories in details because. People think that God's not working or what they're doing is not, uh, it's not important. Now let's just look at this whole concept, how like you would say, how, you know, God's so cheeky or, or just (laughs) how like, how kind of like, what? Like, does this even matter? Yeah. I'm in Israel. I'm in the garden of Gethsemane. And I, I, the pastor, after he, he gave the message, he says, now all you guys go out there and sit in the garden and talk to God. So I find a spot. I'm in the dirt. Okay. I'm, (laughs) I'm in the garden. When I say garden, don't think about some like flowers. And right. These are like halfway dead. Look, I mean they're alive, but they look dead because they're like olive trees. They just kind of look janky. Right. They're, you know <laughs> they have a bunch of knots on them, and they, they don't. They're not really beautiful, honestly, at all. You know. Right. So here I am, all these like half looking dead. It looks almost half dead, like olive trees everywhere, and I'm sitting in the dirt. It's almost kind of muddy because it was raining ish. So I'm sitting in the dirt on my butt in the mud and I'm like God, you know, whatever you want to do with my life, if you want me to tell my story, I'm yours, let's just do it. So now how in some like, how random is this moment of me doing this? Like what how how would I even know that this was going to be the first step to to what God was going to do? Then God answers the prayer. Then the second thing is like, okay, now am I going to am I going to, I asked him to answer my prayer. He did. Now am I going to obey him and come out to and, and go to Vegas? Cause I could have said no, but what happened is that simple act of obedience of me saying yes and going to Vegas started a worldwide movement. Just like Peter, when, when he was, when Jesus was walking on water and they were all terrified in the boat and, and they go, oh my gosh, look, it's a ghost. And, and, and it says that they were all terrified, but then Peter stands up, the brave one, and he looks at him and goes, Jesus, is that you? And, and Peter says, and Jesus says, Yes, Peter, it's me. And then Jesus says, Peter says again, if that's you, then tell me to come walking on water to you. Like, is Peter crazy? Like he's trying to walk on water. Who does that? Nobody, right? Right. And G- and 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 Jesus says yes. And Peter took that simple act of obedience and stepped out of the boat, and he started living the impossible. He started walking on water. He would have never known he could walk on water and live the impossible if he would not have obeyed Jesus and stepped out of the boat. And that's the exact illustration of what happened to me. As I prayed, I talked to God, God talked back to me, I obeyed, and then I stepped out of the boat, and I took a plane to Vegas.
0: Oh, my gosh. And you know what just clicked for me? You always use this term messy ministry. And now yes. hearing how you were literally sitting in the mud in a ratchet yes. garden is just so funny because that kind of in a weird way turned into your ministry. I mean, it is messy and you do get, need to get your hands dirty. So that's the next thing I want to talk about just to you know, piggyback off of that uh, funny little note is yeah. what is this because this is a term that I've heard you use that for anyone who doesn't know basically refers to getting outside the four walls of the church and just going out to where your target audience is depending on you know what the passion is that God's giving yeah. you. So I yeah. think this mindset is so radical because it implies getting out there in the trenches or in the mud and you know yeah. going against the grain of the traditional ways of ministry and one thing that I know has happened to so many millennials and I'm sure others is they feel so burned by the church and this idea of ministry as this like clean cut kind of legalistic thing. So yeah. what would you say to those who have had those bad experiences and why or how are you doing things differently?
1: Okay, so I want to ask you a question first. Okay. So when when you're when you're talking about this this uh, not the messy ministry, the opposite, right. the, the, this legalistic, clean cut whatever now, I, w- I want to ask you, because I want to get your opinion. Yeah. So what, to you, what does that look like in detail? Like when you would say the, the kind of ministry that, you know, this kind of ministry, what, what does that look, how are people doing ministry, like what you're talking about? What's that look like?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like it's a coming at you, a condemning sort of a. Um, I I don't want to say vibe, but I guess that's how they would yeah. perceive it. They wouldn't really know it's like a spirit. So... I yeah. think that it feels very much like you're wrong, you've done this, you're a bad person, God hates oh. you. Which is really uh. upsetting to me because that is yeah. so not the case. And mm-hmm. if anything, he he loves you where you're at and he wants to meet you there and bring you out of that. So I think it's a little bit of a disconnect because they they don't know about the love. And so they everything feels very you're bad, you're wrong. And so, yeah. and that's what, that's actually what I've heard from a lot of people because I've been saved for 18, 19 years. So yeah, um, yeah. I never experienced it, but I know from other people, they're yeah. like, it just feels like they're coming at me with like, you know, like fire and brimstone. And that's what everybody yeah. says. It's like fire and brimstone and I'm going to hell and blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. I think that's the mindset that they have in that, like I was saying, a legalistic type view of ministry.
1: Yes, yes. Like they're on, you know, like they're looking down and they have it. They have it all figured out, and and people need to listen to what they're doing and follow them because right. they know they're the. They know what's up, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know, I don't have it figured out. I'm not saying I'm a, a, a spiritual giant. I don't. I I I, I deal with issues. Um, I'm rough around the edges. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. Um, what the Holy Spirit has done in my life is the job of the Holy Spirit is to purge and destroy everything that is unholy in our life. Its job is to to remove the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the drug addiction, your lying, your lust problem, your porn addiction. Uh, It's all these things. The job of the Holy Spirit is to destroy what's unholy to make you holy, right? But we make mistakes. We're not perfect. And uh, pride, I mean, Satan got kicked out of the... Satan got kicked out of heaven for pride okay yeah so if you want to know the worst sin is to think that you got it all figured out and you're prideful that was the sin that Satan got kicked out for you know mm-hmm. and um so we gotta really be careful because what happens is and I'm gonna get into many messy ministry I'm just kind of setting it up right yeah go for so it. Ba- so basically so what happens is during this time is that when you there's a lot of people that I see that they give their life to God, and then they get cleaned up by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's called, you know, fancy word for it. It's called sanctification. It's a cleanup process. And uh, what happens is then they start getting the knowledge and the Bible says knowledge puffs up, right? Um, If you don't use it well, it could puff you up and make you think you got it all figured out. And then what happens is God does this awesome work in their life and then they completely forget where they came from. And now they're hanging out with all these other people that are just like them And now they've they've just kind of lost touch on on the grace and the mercy and really remembering uh, where they came from or even being compassionate about where people are at. I mean, when Jesus says, says that Jesus stepped out of the boat, it says he was moved with compassion. And every scene you see with Jesus, he's hanging out. Matthew, remember, he calls Matthew the tax collector Tax collectors were like, you know, and I don't want to encourage anyone to go see this movie, but the Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, those guys are like, if you, I'm writing a book right now, and this is the illustration I used about Matthew and his crew. They were like the Wolf of Wall Street because back then those guys would tax people and that's how they came up. They paid Caesar what they owed to Caesar. Any money they made on top would be theirs. Well, if you're not a Christian and you're a tax collector, anything you make on top of what you got to give to Caesars is yours. Guess what? you're going to be taxing everybody because everyone likes money and everyone likes to have a good time. Right? Right. And it says that only those fools hung out with themselves. Right. They were like the, the, the filthy, dirty scum of the earth. As the Pharisees would say, they all ran together, just like the Wolf of Wall Street. They all ran together because they were corrupt and no one wanted to be around them. But in those circles, a lot of wild stuff happens. Now here's Jesus calls this dude he starts following him. He's like, I'm throwing i an- I'm throwing another party with all my homies. I want you to meet my crew, my sketchy crew, Jesus. So they all come over. The religious people. Jesus is "Inside." Now this is a punk rock move. Back then, Jews wouldn't even touch Gentiles, or else they would feel like they would they would get uh, they would become unclean. So for a Jew, Jesus is a Jew, and his disciples for them to go into a Gentile's. Or to go in the house and be with a bunch of Gentiles, sinners, filthy sinners, and even if uh, Jews and just filthy sinners, period, they would get un- uh, they would be uh, unclean. Jesus is not only rubbing elbows with them; he's sitting at the table, and they didn't even use uh, silverware back then. They would, in that lifestyle, even now when you go there, they get the pita breads and they dip them in all the sauces, and they would use the pita breads to clean their hands. So you know, there's a lot of double dipping going on. There's saliva in the food. And for Jesus not only to be in the rubbing elbows, the, the religious people would think, oh, Jesus is dirty. Well, now he's swapping saliva with the, the double dippings of the food. So they can't even believe what Jesus is doing. This is one of the most radical moments. And the and the Pharisees looked in and said, Jesus, what is Jesus doing with such scum of the earth? You know, doesn't he know he's hanging out with? And Jesus says, People that are well don't need a doctor, but sick people do, and this is why he came. And basically, what happened is that's the min- messy ministry I'm talking about. Jesus was there, rubbing elbows with the sinners, talking to them, loving them, and you know they were there. I guarantee you they were drinking and getting drunk, and who knows what those other guys were talking about? I mean, let's think about this. Jesus was is with like the Wolf of Wall Street crew. Jesus is there representing who he is. But what about these other guys? Jesus isn't the son of God to them. He's not the Messiah to them. He's just Jesus, you know, unless they got saved or whatever happened. So the Bible doesn't tell us what happened, but it just shows this perfect contrast of Jesus with dirty sinners. And that's the messy ministry. And then as you go all through the Bible, you can read all the stories about Jesus. The religious leaders catch that chick. That was caught up in adultery, and they wanted to stone her, and they brought her to Jesus. And they said she was caught up in adultery. That you know the law says the stoner. What do you say, Jesus? Well, first of all, who the heck is she having sex with? Where's that dude at? Right. right. <laughs> so the, that seems already sketchy. And then Jesus looked at her, and he, you know, it says he starts writing the names on the ground, and and he, I guess one by one they saw that. You know, he says whoever doesn't have sin, cast the first stone. And then he says, he starts writing on the ground. We started writing probably their names and they started seeing their names and they realized they had sinned and they all started walking away one by one. And then Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Uh, go Basically, don't go sin anymore. Don't do this anymore. And that's the messy ministry that cuts through all the dead religion. And it's the heart of God because God wishes that no one should perish. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, on a rescue mission out of eternity to die for the sins of the world, and it's messy because when you're dealing with people that are getting on, off drugs, they're going to get off drugs. Then, then a week later, they're going to get back on drugs. And are you going to judge them and tell them they're a freaking idiot, or are you going to love them and, and help them to get back on track? It's just like a a brand new baby. When you give when you give your life to God, you're a new baby. Well, my babies don't. My my kids don't, didn't learn how to run when they were born. They had they were had to learn how to crawl. Then they had to learn how to stand up. Then they had to learn how to walk. And then they would trip and fall. Then I would pick them up. I'm not like, stupid baby, why can't you just walk? You know? Right. <laughs> they're they're going to trip and they're going to fall. But we, just like the loving father looks down at us, we have to help them like get back up and keep moving forward. And it's messy because you got, I got gay friends, I got lesbian friends, I got transgender, I got non-binary, I got drug addicts, I got, you know, Mormons, Buddh- I mean dude, being in the mix of all this stuff, these are the people I'm, I'm, I'm leading to the Lord and I'm counseling and I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing elbows with to let them know that Christ loves them. And you know what? It gets freaking messy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? This is a true um, sort of visual or example of living out the life that we're called to. And obviously, everybody has different callings out there. I don't want to make anyone feel like you have to go, you know, do ministry. That's totally not it. But what I think is really impactful about this is the fact that you can minister wherever you are. It doesn't have to be this big thing. You know, who are you rubbing elbows with at work? Who can you impact in your workplace or at home or something like that? It's like these are those times where you're given an opportunity, are you going to take it? You don't have to be confrontational or crazy. It's just about loving on them wherever they're at. Because at the end of the day, God loves you wherever you're at, even if you are tripping and falling and just completely out of it. So that is really impactful, in my opinion, to hear. So
1: I I, want to open it up a little bit more. Yeah. Cool. Do we got a little bit
0: of time? Yeah, yeah. Go for it.
1: Okay. So check this out. So you said, uh, well, first of all, I want to address one thing. Uh, there's two kinds of witnesses. There's either a good witness or a bad witness. Now, second thing I want to say is that now, what, what does a witness mean? Do, does that mean we have to go out and preach to everyone? No, we don't. We have to be led by the Holy spirit. Number one, there's a time to talk and there's a time to listen. And there's, that, that's basically the two options. Yeah. Time to listen and time to talk. But sometimes you just got to listen to people. That's part of the messy ministry. And and you have to love them right where they're at and let them open up and nothing's going to happen, but through a relationship, like no one wants to hear some stranger come up and and tell them they're going to go to hell and and they got to change their life. Yeah, There has to be a relationship, just like a friendship. Do you want someone to come up and tell you anything? I don't, you know, if I have a relationship with a friend, I'm, I'm totally open to hear what they have to say. And what they're thinking because they I trust them, I have a relationship with them. We're friends now. So instead of just trying to jump the uh you know, jump to the gate, tell them they're sinners and close the deal, you know, it's try to like do like first of all. My question is, do you even care about them? Yeah. And that's a, <laughs> and that's, a that's a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, are you a Christian just trying to close the deal so you can say you led someone to the Lord, or, or are you just trying to say, Yeah, I told this guy, you know he was sinned, he's going to go to hell if he doesn't give his life to God. Like, where's your heart at, number one? And and you love him. And then if you love him, then you're going to listen and you're going to, you know, work on a way to have conversate and maybe a door will open up, find out a little bit about the guy. And then the other thing is that you don't know where people are at.
0: Everyone's dealing with something. And however that comes out or however that's uh, manifested, it might be different for each person. But at the end of the day, you guys, we are all broken and dealing with something, and that is why yes. it is so incredible when you do enter into a relationship with Christ because there is a healing that takes place. And we're not saying it's going to be right away. It, it is going to take no. work from you. It you know yeah. you have to show up and say, okay, you know, help me. <laughs> and so. Whatever you are doing, I just want to let you know right now that he sees you and whatever, whatever is going on, he knows and he loves you. And it's not going to take some, you know, crazy thing. It doesn't have to be this miraculous moment. But just like Ryan's testimony, you just have to say, Lord, if you're real, show me. You know, heal me, help me, come into my life. So, I just wanted to put that in there real quick for anybody that um, is maybe dealing with something else. Like you were saying, sin is sin. So, I don't really care what you've been doing. Yeah, it's all yeah. the same in the eyes of God. And you know that needs to be understood because a lot of stuff can get you know twisted around. But when you look at it that way, it's very clear and very simple.
1: So yes, very.
0: Oh my it's gosh! Like you're
1: pointing one. You're like pointing one finger, and then you got three pointing back.
0: Exactly. Oh my gosh. That is so and then, crazy. And
1: then to answer your original question yeah. is about, about the call to reach people. There's, there's two great, there's two great, uh, great commissions in the Bible. There's Matthew, uh, uh go out and, uh, what does it say? Uh, go out and preach the gospel, uh, baptize them in the name of the father, son and the Holy spirit and teach them to obey, obey, my commandments. Now, when I look at that great commission, that kind of reminds me of the church, right? Yeah. Cause you got, uh, you, you know, reach them give them the gospel, they get saved and then you baptize them. Um, they get baptized in the water baptism and then, you know, you get baptized in the Holy spirit. Acts one eight, you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then the next one is to teach them to obey my commandments. That's the discipleship uh, nugget right there. You know, you go to the Bible, you go to the church and they're teaching you the word of God, right? To obey the commandments. So that's, that's one great commission. And then the second great commission is, and Mark, uh, go out and preach the gospel and signs and wonders will follow. Uh, so that's, that's more of like the, the, to me, that's more of like the evangelistic to like go out, um, to be out in the streets and, and, and bring people to Christ in, in the culture, you know, all around you outside. Basically, the Mark 16 reminds me of the one outside the walls. And the other one reminds me of the one in the walls. Signs and wonders will follow in the walls inside the church as well. But I just see more of the signs and wonders happening when I'm outside of the church.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. But they
1: they do happen inside the church. But uh, God uses the signs and wonders to bring attention to Himself, to point people to Himself. You know, we'll pray for people; they'll get healed, and they're like, "What happened?" We're like, "Jesus just healed you," and then they accept the Lord, right?
0: Yeah. Oh man. And I one thing that I find very interesting is that the whole entire kind of state of the millennial and Gen Z generations. So Mm -hmm. I know that you go and talk to mostly probably Gen Z, I know because you're high school and and middle school, but um, I think a lot of these things translate to millennials as well. But what is the state of those generations that you're seeing? What are some things um, that you've experienced or the feedback that you've been getting? Because A, you're doing things very differently than probably what they they have an idea about of ministry. And B, you have had some really radical things happen. So I want to hear about that from you, from your perspective.
1: Yeah. So first of all, uh, with the, the Hootsovers movement, after it started, <laughs> I forgot to the- Tell people what we do now. Yeah. <laughs> so after it started, we started doing music festivals. And then from there, we started now, uh, we tour up the public school system, middle schools, high schools around the world. And uh, when God opens the doors, well, we're going to rehabs and jails and prisons, but that's just extra activities. Our, my, my main focus is to be in front of middle schools and high school students in the public school system. Uh, as we've been doing that, what I'm seeing across the board is depression, anxiety, and suicide. trending everywhere. And that's very simple. What's going on is everyone's living in their phones, 11 to 10 hours a day on screen time is average from Barna Group. Uh, 32% of male students and 37% of female students struggle with depression, anxiety, depression, and suicide are at an all time high. Opiate epidemic is at an all time high. Basically just to narrow it down what's going on. People aren't out living their life. They're living it by the phone and they're comparing themselves to everything, everyone and everything. And social media is a highlight reel. And if you're stuck on video games and you're stuck on your phone and you're not out in the sun and getting vitamin D, you will get depressed, that's guaranteed. And then even screen time brings anxiety and depression upon you. So you have all these things. And then obviously, you know, they're not getting enough sleep. So they're behind in school. They're not concentrating well. They're, they're distracted. They're caught up in the noise of, of life, and then obviously you have bullying going on. Um, and I want to address again the comparison game. Always comparing yourself to everybody else, and it's that will drive you freaking nuts. Yeah, you know that drives me nuts, and I'm old. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. Uh, so that's the whole thing. Is I what's going on is they're empty, and then you have the enemy. You know, uh, when you open yourself to Ouija boards and tarot cards, and and smoking weed, and and any of the that stuff that's not of God, you are opening the doorways to the supernatural realm of the dark side, fallen angels or demons, to come in and not not only demon possess you, you can be demon possessed, but I've seen more of demon oppression. So a lot of that depression and stuff, that's that's the demonic realm that's just hovering around you. Yeah. And But then a lot of the stuff that we pray for, people are just being oppressed. And we pray for them to get delivered and then they get set free and they feel light and they feel clear-headed and they don't feel that heaviness. And that's because they have demonic stuff happening around them because the doorways they've opened up of the things they're allowing in their life and music they're listening to. Um, and I'm not saying you have to go listen to just Christian music. I'm saying listen to the lyrics. What are they talking about? You know, if it's dark stuff and it's not good stuff that you're opening yourself for, for oppression.
0: Yeah. We actually so have a wh- whole episode on, oh. you know, being careful of the music that you listen to because that is yes. such a huge factor. And so we kind of went yes. over, you know, why these things are not good to just be like pumping literally in your ears all the time. So I like that you brought okay. that up.
1: Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the common thread. But what we're seeing is we're seeing kids give their life to Jesus. They're getting filled with the Holy spirit and, uh, their life's changing, you know?
0: Wow. Yeah. So, that, that is so exciting. And
1: they want it. They, what I'm seeing is everyone wants the real thing. No one wants dead religion. They want to encounter the God of the universe. And they, what I'm seeing with the Gen Z's is they are wide open to it. They want it.
0: Wow. What? An incredible blessing. That is so exciting to hear because, I mean, that I'm not is not in front
1: of millennials though. That's why I'm, I'm in high schools.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know we have we have about like a you know an eighteen to thirty ish age range here on the podcast so i know that even if if you're in your 30s you might have kids that are in middle school or elementary school getting ready to go into middle school so this is really important for you to hear as well but these are very common things that i think no matter what your age is you might be dealing with it so i i love just hearing that anyway
1: this this isn't high school statistics this is across the board a hundred percent yeah no that's the suicide anxiety depression It's all the way up. This is totally relatable up to the, you know, the 40s and 50s.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think with, um, I know this is for both millennial and Gen Z, I hear so often about, you know, searching for identity and I don't know who I am and I need to go find myself. Those are very common things that you hear. And I'm sure you hear that all the time in schools. So one thing I wanted to ask was, what would you say to someone that is kind of having that identity crisis? What would be your advice, or just um, something that you would say to encourage them
1: in this time? You got to read my book. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a chapter. It's called Identity Crisis, and it's exactly on this. Look at very simply. Uh, fine. when you give your life to Jesus Christ. You're going to gonna be insecure. You're not going to know what to do, how to be. You're going to be trying to find yourself all the whole time. When you give your life to Christ and he fills you with his spirit and you follow him day to day, he's going to reveal the identity. Because what's going to happen is he's going to reveal the plans that he has for you. And when you align yourself and you start walking in that and start doing what he's put you on planet Earth for, you're going to be doing what he designed you for. And then that's going to be your identity. That's how you find yourself because you're doing what you were created for. And that's where you're going to feel secure. That's where you're going to feel confident. That's where you're going to feel clear headed. And you're not going to be measuring yourself up with the, with other people because you know, you're going to have peace and confidence that you're right where you're supposed to be. And that's your identity.
0: White card moment right there. That is so good. And I, that is the key. I mean, there is nothing else that needs to be said. That is a hundred percent it and you just you got it right there. I love it
1: that is it
0: now, what would you say because we talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but what is the transformation process like for a new Christian because you you were saved and you walked away, but what was the thing that made you come back in your adult life? And then how was it for you going through that process of, I'm living the party life. I'm doing everything I want. I have, you know, all of the things that the world says is is amazing. And now I've got to kind of transition into not doing any of that. So what was that like for you?
1: Basically what happened is um, I walked away from God, like fifth grade, I think. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I was young. I mean, I was already smoking cigarettes in, like, first, second grade, trying alcohol.
0: Oh, my gosh. Seeing
1: seeing porn in first grade, yeah. Yeah, I was was gone for for a long time. So, I didn't really, I can't say I grew up and, like, was really, you know, like a Christian, like a solid Christian, even though, like, the Holy Spirit was constantly, like, you know, there trying to draw me to himself, but I was... I was more or less trying to drown him out with weed and and alcohol and all those lifestyles, you know? Uh, So basically when I gave my life to God, that's the process was, you know, I was at the crossroads and I was just like, all right, I'm all in. And I just, you know, it was, it was a brutal, it was, it was just a day-to-day situation. I gave my life to God. He healed me from the drugs and alcohol overnight. But then the cussing was like a couple months later. The porn was six months later. And it was, then the cigarettes were, you know, months later after that. And, you know, it was just, it was a process. It's just a cleanup process, you know? It was more like me just following him every day, waking up and saying, God, I'm yours. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to work. And as I would do that, he just basically started changing my thought process and my heart process, uh, way my heart would process things. One day at a time, he was just changing my desires. That's the best way to explain it. It wasn't like I was like, I need to change this. Like I was like, I want to change this, but then all of a sudden, like things just started changing, you know? Yeah. It's just like it just it just but but it doesn't the way this is how it changes, though. I told you back at the beginning of the show, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Ghost is to purge and destroy everything that is unholy. The Holy Ghost, you have to feed the spirit. How do you feed your spirit life? The word of God, the Bible. So if you're not reading and praying, you're not going to have this transformation in your life. You're going to be stuck. You're just going to go back to the way you were. You have to feed the spirit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it the does... Bible
1: is the word Word of God.
0: Yeah, it it's takes a, work. A,
1: a, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life and Jesus is the word.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it takes takes you kind of going halfway. I mean, he's he'll pick you up and drag you, but I mean, you gotta want to go. <laughs> I mean, it's it is it's give and well, take. it's like
1: this. Think about this. I just thought of this illustration. Okay. So, like, you give your life to Jesus. Okay, he gives us the person of the Holy Spirit. Right now, now think about a, a spirit, a spirit in in a, in a person, like a person body. Okay, so like with John the Baptist. Baptized Jesus. Jesus came out of the water. The the heavens split, and it says that the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, like a dove. So it just like floated down, right? Right. But it was in a, a body form of a body, and it 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 filled Jesus. So it went inside of him. So here's Jesus with the the person of the Holy Spirit in you. Now, when we give our life to God, we believe that Jesus died on the cross and He forgives us of our sins, and then. He sends the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So now the person, the body form of the Holy Spirit is now inside of us. So Jesus meets us there. He goes, okay, I'm giving you the person of the Holy Spirit, but now you got you to feed the spirit life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Eat the Bible. Basically eat the <laughs> word of God. And that feeds the spirit. If you do not feed the spirit, if you don't feed your body, your normal body, your flesh body, You're gonna die and the same with the spirit, you'll just die out of your life, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit won't believe you, but there'll be no power. You know Right. Yeah. And if you don't have power, how are you gonna overcome the devil?
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. Oh, man. This has been such an incredible show. I am so glad we were able to get you on that you took the time to come on here. But guys, if you want to check them out, go follow at the whosoevers on Instagram. You can also find them online. Same thing. You can follow Ryan Reese on Instagram as well, just his name. And you can follow the Dude I Love That podcast at Dude I Love That podcast on Instagram. You can also find us online at dudeilovethat.com. Thank Thank you so much again for taking the time to do this and i cannot wait to hear the feedback from the show this is just gonna pour into so many people and really excited about it
1: yeah you got it thank you
0: thank you bye well guys this episode was one for the books i am so glad that you chose to spend part of your day with us and be sure to check back not this coming wednesday but the following wednesday for a brand new episode of the dude i love that podcast bye
1: Dude, that's epic right there. I love that. Isn't that that's funny? awesome.